Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a great start, middle, or end of your week. I am excited and very grateful to be introducing this week's guest, Mr. Mark Crandall. So Mark endured an unbelievably traumatic childhood. He was burned with cigarettes, handcuffed inside of locked closets, neglected by his parents, and taken into foster care at the age of three. Uh, He started stealing, became addicted to drugs, and spent seven years in and out of prison, incarcerated. But none of that was his fault. He'd been dealt a rotten hand by life, and after enduring so much trauma, this was his destiny. Anybody who met him would have just said, oh, you're allowed to be this way. And then Mark met his first mentor, Rob, and Rob asked a question that literally changed his life in a heartbeat. He asked, what's it like being a 25-year-old man living in the ages of three to seven? What's it like to play the victim? And that changed Mark's life. That started him on a spiritual journey to start investing in himself, being a better human being, doing esteemable acts, and not letting his past trauma define his life. He was done blaming everyone else, and he was ready to give himself a blank canvas and start over from scratch, and that's what he did. Today, Mark's life is unrecognizable. He's gone back to school, become a social worker, Uh, He's a chemical dependency counselor, a clinical interventionist. He's the host of the Purpose Chaser podcast, the author of Embrace Your Past, Win Your Future. He's a speaker. He's a transformation coach and helps people break free from all sorts of limiting beliefs. And, you know, this episode gave me tingles. It is a beautiful and inspiring reminder that no matter where you are in your life, it doesn't matter what you were born with, doesn't matter what your circumstances are right now. People can change. They have to want to change, though. You can't change someone who doesn't want to be changed. But the second you can inspire some sort of conversation inside of their minds or inside of your own mind that finally takes ownership and says, you know what, I want change. I don't care how I'm going to go get it. That's when the magic starts to happen. That's when you can transform pain into passion and create a beautiful life that inspires others to do the same, whether it's a mass audience or the people in your family or your friends. So, you know, this episode was just another humbling reminder for me. It was my own message to stay grounded uh, in personal development and helping people and giving back in the reason to seek answers and not sulk in pain. And, you know, Mark's a great guy uh, and he's the new author of, of his book, Embrace Your Past, Win Your Future. And he's doing so many great things. And I remember the first time I met Mark, um, you know, he had, was a new author of a different book. I just feel like this man has grown so much in the last three years. Um, and I've seen him firsthand change his life. And it's an inspiration for me. And I hope it serves as an inspiration for you, too. So anyways, hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on any of the podcast players. That just means that every time we launch a new episode, it will fall right into your phone. 
or inbox or wherever you're choosing to listen to the episode. And if you haven't already, join the free Stay Grounded Facebook community. Uh, If you rely on the podcast as a source of inspiration, support, and fuel as you're going about your life, then the group is exactly where you need to be. I am creating content every single day for the members in that community. It is free. Just go to rajana.com forward slash stay grounded to get involved and be around other people who are also having the same conversations as you are. How do I have a more fulfilling life? So anyways, with that being said, I'm going to pass the mic on to my good friend, Mr. Mark Crandall. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. We're all excited because I sure as hell am. What's up, Mark? How you doing, dude? doing awesome it is so hot outside it is really toasty outside uh, i can't believe you spent that much time outside <laughs> when you were like i'm gonna go grab a coffee and hang out outside i was like dude you know yeah uh, but i'm uh i'm glad you're here in this nice apartment uh that is cooled and not hot i'm particularly excited about this man we've been trying to make this for a while you've had one hell of a journey not just in life but last couple months you're a new author now so uh, tell me a little bit about the book before we actually dive in, because I think that'll set up a really good context for your story, who you are, and just introducing you as a human being. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, tell me about the book is is about the the most loaded <laughs> the loaded thing well, you could do. Let's specifically focus on why you wrote the book. So on August uh, 23rd, 2007 is when I was released from prison. And I had a lot of realizations while in prison, a few spiritual experiences. I started meditating my last two weeks there. And what I realized probably about a year out and a year into, you know, the recovery, the spiritual, like just started to tap into that world was that I had spent my whole life playing the victim about the circumstances from my past in which I had no control. I am a licensed therapist today, but I spent years of my life in therapy talking about the past, trying to fix the past. And so the reason why I wrote the book was to use my life experiences as a mirror for anyone that has a difficult past or has things from their past that they feel that they can't get over and say, hey, I've gotten over all of this or not even gotten over all of this, but I'm now using all of this as a means to fuel my purpose in life and my drive in life. So I just wanted to, I had a realization point probably three years into spiritual practices in which I realized that everything from my past happened for me. And not only did it happen for me, it happened for me to show others that they can overcome their past as well. So let's paint a picture of what that past looks like, because I think that phrase, you know, everything in life happens for me, when I completely agree with it and I prescribe to it myself, but I want to give people context. I want to give the listeners context as to what that past actually looked like for you. Because it's one thing for me to say that and not having had gone through on paper, really the struggle, the the roller coaster of life that I know you have. So why don't we paint the picture? What did your past look like that, that now has turned into something beautiful and it's part of your why and your soul, but what did your past look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version so we can talk about 
epic stuff later in the interview here. But, you know, at age three, I was taken by DCYF. Uh, my biological sister and I were placed in foster care. And before we, I was placed in foster care, my mom kidnapped me and took me to New York to run from the state that was trying to gain custody of my sister and I for neglect and abuse. And I remember like one of my earliest memories was watching my mom sniff what I now know to be a white powdery substance off a chest freezer in the back room and like watching that while I was supposed to be watching Fraggle Rock and you know my childhood was was littered with traumatic experiences like being handcuffed and locked in a closet burned with cigarettes a lot of disappointment in confusion, which led to me acting out as an adolescent, setting fires and stealing and assaulting kids in school. And, you know, I had a chins petition placed on me at the age of 12 and I went to my first group home and da 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 da. It goes on and on and on. I was just a lost, confused boy. And I ended up spending seven years of my life in, in and out of incarceration, four years homeless, addicted to heroin. And my life was just absolutely in shambles. And I realized, and I didn't have this level of introspection at the time, right? So when you look back on things that you've had awakenings from, which I know you are because I know you and I know you're a spiritual being on this introspective quest, is like when I looked back on my life, I didn't think that anything was wrong. I I literally thought that it was everyone else's fault. I thought I was doing this because my mom. I was doing this because my dad. I was doing this because you know, my first drug dealer who, you know, had me try heroin. And I just kept blaming everything on everyone else for all of these things that were happening to me. So in the stream of life, I was constantly trying to swim upstream while thinking I was heading in the right direction, right? So I was just fighting everything and resistant to it all. And, you know, when I, when I started the spiritual path, the path I had just this epic meltdown, you know, two years out of prison. And that's when I really, really started to take a deep, hard look. And I had a, uh, my first mentor, Rob, and he asked me a question after I sold him. I told him everything that I just told you yeah. and, you know, all of your listeners is I told him I didn't just really try to suck him in. And, you know, the more I would tell the story, the, the less effect the reaction of others would have on me. So I would, you know, make it grander and exaggerate and tell lies and enhance the story as if my story wasn't traumatic enough. Right. And, but I needed that to feel what I used to feel. And, you know, I was telling Rob and I painted this picture and he goes, wow, Mark, what is that like for you? And I was like, you know, Rob, it's just so hard. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not what, like, what is it like for you as at the time I was 25? What is that like for you as a 25 year old man living from the ages of three to seven? Wow. And it just smoked me right between the eyes. And he goes, well, the bigger question here is what is it like for you to play the victim? And it was just like, I, I just got goosebumps sharing it with yeah. you. It's like everything in my life just kind of went, wow, my whole life has been a lie, right? But my whole life I've been telling myself these lies. I mean, the things that happened to you were very real. And I think it's really interesting that you just, but you, that moment painted the picture where you started seeing it as your vantage point or the story that you were creating around what those things meant to you. So what did it look like from there? Were you able to immediately rewrite the story or was there a process you went through to start 
changing that narrative and that conversation that was having that you were having with yourself around what those things meant to you? Yeah, there was a pivotal point in my life, which you know I share about in the book, and I share about on every interview that I do because it's like the so I had that awakening from Rob. And then I really started to question everything that I thought I knew about life, which, you know, I know you're on the same quest, right? And if you're not doing that, I challenge you too. Like, even if you're told something, question it yep. and, and find out for yourself, find your own truth, right? And I started to question everything. And I was at the time I was painting and drywalling and I had created this story about myself based off of my past and my criminal convictions and my drug addiction and my homelessness. I'm going to be painting and drywalling the rest of my life. Like that's what I'm destined to do because of the cards that were dealt to me, still playing this victim, this victim role. And one day I was reading Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, and I was getting fired up. At this time, I was starting to become pretty obsessed with personal development, spiritual practices, and like, and why was I doing that? For the effect produced. No other reason. Like I wasn't doing still today like i don't do it so that i can get on a podcast and be like oh, i meditate so hard when and, you say spiritual practices what does that what does that mean just before you keep going yeah prayer meditation affirmations i mean i burn sage i will go to church i'm like a coexist bumper sticker <laughs> literally <laughs> and if it is good and if it is rooted in heart like i will i mean i've done marconics and i've i've had reiki done on me and like float therapy and uh, anything Anything to go deeper and peel more layers uh, of skin closer to my heart, I'm in. If it's referred to as a cult in society, there's a great chance I've attended it or am going to attend it, right? Like I just, I love it and I love stripping away layers and really getting new insights on life and on and and shifts in perspective, right? And so to answer your question, because I rabbit hold right there. There was, I was painting and drywalling. I was about to be placed out, you know, put out of a job because winter was coming. I was living in New Hampshire. And when the snow flies, work dries up and only those that own the companies get the the cush work for the winter. And so I was like, man, how am I going to pay my bills? I didn't, you know, I didn't have basic life skills like save money. I had never done that. So I didn't have experience with it. I had some money put away, but not enough to last the winter. And I went into this deep depression, but I kept meditating. I kept praying and I was burning sage and, you know, doing all these things. And I was going to a Native American circle at the time and, and just seeking and just seeking and not, not sulking in the depression and, and the, the fear and the anxiety that was within me. And, and I was meditating one morning and I was crying in the meditation. I was doing a, a meta practice, a loving kindness practice on myself. And, and it, if you want to peel some layers, that'll really open you up. But, and I'm crying and I just like came out of the meditation and looked up at the ceiling and said, what am I supposed to do? It's clear as day, go to school came to me. I was like, well, what does that mean? I have a GED that I got in prison. Like that's not going to work. You know, I'm not, I have felonies. Like you can't get student loans. And I went to the greatest resource that we have today and know this at, you know, this podcast is not sponsored. Like Raj doesn't run Google ads, but Google is the greatest resource our generation has. I'm literally a YouTube video away from being a plumber, you know? And it's like, so I Googled go to school and sure online ads popped up because somebody was running AdWords and I didn't know that at the time, but, and I clicked on one and, and I got on the phone with the enrollment counselor and I was like, well, I don't think I can get student loans because I have felonies. And she's like, no, that's a myth. Have you ever sold drugs while receiving student loans? 
I was like, no, never. And she's like, yeah, you can get student loans. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, I only have a GED. And she's like, perfect. Can you send it over to me? I sent it over. I started online because I didn't want it. I, my fear of being ignorant, of not being intelligent, like crippled me. And if I, if come to find out I wasn't like a student, like academically minded, right? Like I'm not making sense right now as I'm talking. So you know more about me, but like, like I didn't have an academic brain. They wouldn't be able to see that. And I wouldn't be made fun of. And so I went to school. I got a 4.0. I got challenged to go to -to face-to-face school. This isn't when everything changed for me. I'm going to school. I'm still painting and drywalling and I'm doing well at this point because I'm out on my own. And I get this thought, this feeling, this urge inside of me to go get into the field in which I'm going to school for. So I'm going to school for human services. My undergrad was in psychology. I'm going to school for human services. I want to work with people. I want to, I wanted to be a therapist at the time, right? No one's going to hire me. Like who's going to hire me with my felonies and my, you know, my criminal record and like my drug addiction and my homelessness. And I got a job interview and I killed it. And that's, this isn't when it changed. I was working there feeling flat, not challenged. Come to find out I like a challenge. Like I was telling Raj before we started the interview, I literally just went from zero the last time I saw him to launching a new company and shut the doors on a couple things. My pop my you know, my first podcast, Purpose Chasers, is on hold right now. Season one's complete. And I decided that I wanted to work for the state. Everyone around me, peers, mentors were like, you will not get hired. Like you, like, let's just be straight. Like you got the job that you got. You're not right. going to, you're not going to get hired by the state. And it was in this moment. Cause I was like real hyped up on personal development at the time. So I'm like, Oh, I know that, you know, my only limits are of my mind and the story that I create about myself based off things that happened to me. And I'm like getting myself hyped. I'm doing affirmations in the mirror at this point. And I'm like, I got this job. And I started sitting with it and, and doing a visualization practice of getting the job. And I interviewed in my mind like a hundred times. I knew what the room smelled like at this facility I wanted to work at. I knew who was sitting at the, you know, sitting at the table, like, I was in it. I'd already been hired. And so I wrote an amazing cover letter because I'm pretty good at writing copy. And I get there, nailed the interview, got a second interview. They hired me. Mm. Six months into the job, the union leader, a big newspaper reaches out and asks to interview me. Somebody told the paper that I was a convicted felon. Had to have been, I don't even get into it. Somebody in HR, whatever. Somebody was, the rumor goes, somebody was mad that I got the job over their loved one who didn't have a criminal background and they were pissed and they went to the paper. I was told, no, you can't. You cannot interview with them, like not doing it. We embrace you. We're happy that you're here. Like, just, you know, don't interview. And so my mentor at the time was like, look, if they contact you again on Friday, know that they're about to print their article on Sunday on front page. And I was like, okay, sure, sure enough. Friday rolls around. They contact the facility. The facility says, no, Mark can't talk to you. They print an article. I'm online Saturday night. See the article. Headline reads, convicted burglar counsels youth. I'm like, oh man, oh man, they only give you a snippet because they want you to go buy the paper in the morning. And so they're just a little snippet and I'm nervous and I didn't sleep well. And I went and got the paper that morning. I'm sitting in the store parking lot and I'm reading it. At the end of the article, I'm crying, but not of shame, not of my past. I finally saw God, spirit, universe, whatever it is that you listening believe in 
all of the things in my life happened for me so that I could be a demonstration for you and for others. And so as I'm, you know, I read the article, I just started crying and I was like, I get it. Okay. You know, I got you like, let's go, let's do this. And from that moment on, I literally, I don't believe that there's any limitations in life. I believe the only thing that limits us is our own mind. It's our own stories that we create about ourselves based off of things that happened that we have no control over. Beautiful story, dude. You said something in there that actually I was thinking about seeking versus sulking. You chose to seek. You chose to move. You chose, you chose a lot of things. Choosing isn't easy, especially when sulking feels so good. And I know that an uphill battle, I know a lot of people face, including myself a lot of times, we face these uphill battles because they're battles that we create for ourselves. Even if it's a battle that you create for yourself or in your own past, how did you start developing the confidence and courage to believe in things that could be so different than the story in your mind? Great question, Raj. And, and I believe that there's really only one answer for this. The only way to gain self-esteem is to do esteemable acts. The only way that I have found is to go against what my mind's telling me and disprove my thoughts. And so even, you know, as an entrepreneur today and in, in all that I do today, like those thoughts come up all the time. Like everyone wants to paint this picture of entrepreneurship as this like, you know, like it's like I'm in front of the Tesla and I'm wearing my, you know, they don't see us crying. They don't see us about to snap our MacBooks, right? Like they don't see my wife begging me to shut my laptop off. And I'm like, no, I just have to make this post because it's going to touch these two people, right? And like, they don't see that. And the only, like literally the only way that I have found to, to disprove my mind is to watch myself do it. And I've built self-esteem and I've built confidence. And I'm really, I try to surround myself with individuals that will keep me in check, right? I didn't do any of this. I believe that spirit, the universe, God guided me to everything that I've accomplished, right? I've put the work in, don't get me wrong. It's not like, I don't just shoot out a prayer. And like a lot of people think like you pray and you practice affirmations. Hal talks about this all the time, right? Like you practice the miracle morning or whatever your practice is and you do these affirmations and like, it's not going to show up at your door. Like you're not going to get a surprise Amazon prime delivery of a seven figure business. <laughs> like, yeah. We would have both ordered them by now, right? <laughs> like a lot of people would, I would, have, I would have them on shipment. That'd just be like a your, bestseller. Yeah. It's just, it's literally the, the process of continuing to disprove. And the last time I was at your house, when we were going to shoot this interview, you asked me what you could do for me. And you asked me the other night as well. And, and I said, just, I, I just want you in my circle. Right. And so literally, if you want to continue to disprove your mind, you need to be surrounded by and following people that are taking actions to disprove their own minds and taking actions to limit, you know, to crush, eliminate their limiting beliefs and playing a scary game. You know, I was talking to a buddy this morning and it's like entrepreneurship is not easy. And he's like, well, what do you do? Like when I started, I wanted this amount of money in my bank account and this amount of money. And I said, dude, it's not about the amount of money. You got to shift the way you're viewing it. So start viewing it as impact and then double, triple, quadruple your impact versus money because you're never going to get the money, 
right? It's going to, you're going to get the money. You're going to have 10, 15, 50, 100. You're going to get the money, but it's never going to be enough because you're wise flip flop. Well, that's all. So, you know, and there's a lot of stuff you said in that that I want to unpack, especially one thing you said around surrounding yourself with people that are playing a scary game. I think fear is relative. Like what you're scared of is different than what I'm scared of. Right. And so what I've always believed is as long as you're surrounding yourself with people that are doing something outside of their comfort zone, whatever they define as uncomfortable, right? Like my fear might be your comfort zone and vice versa. But as long as you're surrounding yourself with people that are actively putting themselves in a position that might lead to being seen failing or might lead to some sort of self-esteem being shattered or might lead to some place where a sense of identity is challenged. As long as you're surrounding yourself with those kinds of people and you're in that place, courage becomes a thing that you do that allows you to take the next step and go forward and keep pushing and making progress. Because you're right, your why, coming back to the money, right? Money is one thing and it's a big thing. Don't get me wrong. Like every, like that, that's what gets people started. It's a great motivator. But it's not the thing that's going to push you through the dips. And that's why I love, one of the things I admire most about you is you've created and taken your past and turned it into this fuel for pushing through pain or pushing through obstacles. That is way more than any material success. It's, it's like, I see it in you, the way you move, the way you're dedicated to your, uh, to your practices, even your spiritual practices, like, you're pretty damn dedicated, dude. So like that dedication isn't just born out of a need to be successful. It's born out of a need to be somebody. In general, when it comes to finding that peace and transforming some negative part of your past into some of the most positive driven purpose that you can have, how do you do it in general? I know you had this one pivot but one pivot that's like, unless you bottled that up and kept it in your pocket and you've been carrying it every day, like I got to believe that you've got practices, you've got things you do that allow yourself to just keep filling up the tank of purpose, even when you are going up an uphill battle. I mean, one of the things is I continue to set goals that, you know, for lack of a better term, make my butthole tight, but <laughs> they, they, just goals that make me clench up, that that make me nervous, that when I look at them, I'm like, that is not achievable. That's just foreign to me. And I just take action. And also, I mean, we were talking about it before. So I read a book really, really early on that I know almost every entrepreneur has read, but very few that have read it actually practice it. And it's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've never actually read that book. You don't need to because you already practice it. But like I really, sh I try to show up in all relationships with an attitude of what can I do for that person? Yeah. Like Raj, what can I do for you? And I will ask people that in business meetings and be like, what do you mean? Like, what can I do for you? I just want to be in your world. Like how, what do you need that I can provide so that I can show up in your, you know, when I met one of my mentors, uh, how I'll drop Hell, his Elrod, yeah. yeah. When I, when I met him and he talked to me, he's like, I heard about you. I joined his mastermind and I wasn't secretive. Like I joined his mastermind to get connected to him and now I am right. And like, 
he's like, I've heard about you. You're offering a lot of value in my community and you've done a lot and, and I want to know you and I'm going to send my assistant to come know you. Like, what do you want? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what do you want from me? Like, what's your ask? And I said to him, I go, how, I don't want, I don't want to meet the people. I don't want you to introduce me to the people that are cutting you checks. I just want to see you cash them. And he just looked at me. I was like, I just want to be in your world. I want to see how you move. I want to see like wh- how you are with your family. I just want to be in your world. And he doesn't get that a lot, right? It stopped him. He he didn't have a follow-up. As, Extra miles always empty, dude. Yeah, it's just. Extra miles never crowded. And I just I just want to be in your world. I don't have an ask. Like I could have asked, oh, I want to come on your podcast and I want to come on this. And and I was just on his podcast and he, he asked to come on my podcast. And that was a dream that I, or a, something I was visualizing 12 months ago, I, when I started business full transparency, I was really motivated by not wanting to be like my biological parents. Now I'm extremely motivated to watch others as many humans as I possibly can break free from the limiting beliefs surrounding their trauma from their past and become the person that they want to be. It gets me high. Like I just want to see the entire world wake up. And, I, you know, I'm on a mission to end the way that our society views trauma and empower all trauma victims to break free from their past. That's a never-ending quest, and and I, I can't see myself ever retiring. I well, mean, I, I love that. And, I, well, I, I love that in particular because that creates the uh, – you have to be a certain type of person in order to achieve those goals, which holds you accountable to doing the practices that will actually get you those goals. Right? Because that's the big problem. Most people don't, they don't think that the mindset, the daily work, the personal development is as important as the tactics and all that stuff. But ultimately, you becoming the person you want to be creates a set of realities because when you believe you're somebody, you act a certain way. When you believe you have this mission to go and help people, you show up in a certain way, you speak in a certain way, you move with a certain confidence because this is something that you are driven by. And I think that most people flip-flop it. They think that you get the success, you get the the money, and then you become someone when becoming someone is the process to getting all those things. Like you have to change your life before you can change anyone else's life. And you have to change yourself before you can change your life. Like it's all sequential in nature. And I mean, what you, your story about how you got, how to be your mentor. I mean, that should be a classic textbook, like on how to show up for people and how to get mentored. And I mean, you said it earlier, uh, when you were telling the story, the best way to build self-esteem is to do esteemable acts and your version of esteemable acts is helping people, right? How often do you feel like, helping people versus helping yourself? Like what's the balance of helping people versus helping yourself and is helping people helping yourself? What is your thought process around that concept, giving and taking? There's a quote, like you, you, you can't transmit what you haven't got. And with, you know, not being able to transmit what you don't have. So you need to make sure that your cup is full or at least has some water in it. If we're going to use the analogy further so that you can go out and serve, right? And at the same time, service has pulled me out of so many places, like limiting beliefs in my head. And you know, if I just call somebody and ask how they're doing, it completely changes my day, right? Because 95% of my problems are just these made up things in my head. 
right? They're based on a lot of my problems are based off of conversations that I never had that I wished I had had, right? I don't believe that you can give more than you have. I really don't. I believe that my spiritual practices absolutely come first and then I will sacrifice all that I have for anyone. At the same time, and what I'll, you know, a new lesson that I'm learning is I need to be more selective of how I serve and where I serve. Because there are a lot of people that won't value your service, right? They won't value what you're offering them. And so it's a really cool place to be in as I'm, you know, kind of leveling, not kind of, but leveling up in business and in life. And so, I mean, I love serving. Like if at any time I want to leverage a relationship with somebody or I'm trying to get, you know, some, something from someone, I don't think, I don't obsess about how I'm going to get it. Right. I think about it. Like you hit me up to come on your podcast. Like I didn't, you know, of course I was posting, like who knows, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. promote the book and I'm about to have a baby. So I'm not going on to speaking to her right now. So my thought was, you know, I can do podcast interviews to promote the book and, and still be present for my wife. But I'm constantly thinking about how to bring value to others. And here's the thing is with the mindset of abundance and constantly serving and giving, knowing that it's going to come back and it does. On spades. The universe just responds to you know, that. It's, it's really interesting because I'm in spirituality in general, like I'm a pretty spiritual person. And I do believe that you reap what you sow and, you know, like karma, I'm a huge believer in the more you give, the more you get. But here's the thing. Most people think that you need to give as big as you need to get. So if you want to get a massive paycheck, you have to give a massive paycheck. If you want to get love in your life, you have to give the same amount of love for someone else. And it creates this unhealthy relationship with giving and expectations, right? Because when you give expecting something in return, you create this really weird atmosphere that starts to distrust the process of giving if you don't get something as big in return. And what I love about just being a service-driven person like yourself and the way you do that is that you just create the idea of giving no matter how small or how big because the universe doesn't care. It doesn't care if you're giving a million dollars or if you're giving someone a meal. You are giving something from a place. You are transferring energy in the form of emotions. That's why giving feels so good because you transfer emotions and you give them something positive. They give you the feeling of giving them, right? So the biggest myth I think is that you need to give a lot to get a lot. That is true, but you need to engage in the act of giving a lot versus you giving in order to get exactly what you gave. Because I think that stops people from giving, man. It stops people from helping people too soon. People will wait their entire lives to have legacies and money and, and all this to just be a better person when that's not how this works. You be the person you want to be along the way because it's a muscle. Have you had any experience around that? Like just even transforming your idea of giving? If you were coming from a place where everything was happening to you, then you likely had a lot of expectations in your life for what needed to be. How did you begin to, I guess, remove the need to have expectations of people, of things? And it sounds like you went in the exact opposite and you had massive ownership almost in your life. So can you talk about that a little bit? Totally. Disclaimer before we do that, I no way want to paint a picture of this perfect being 
on an interview with Raj. I still have limiting beliefs. I still have expectations of other humans. I am still, I can still be super selfish, right? Like it's human nature. That's, you know, what we do. And to sit here and be like, oh man, I can't, I I don't want to be on a yacht smoking Cubans, (laughs) listening to classical music, just, you know, making it rain hundreds. Like, come on, you know, like, why not? That sounds yep. like a good time, right? <laughs> just just being real, but it just doesn't produce what Raj is talking about. Like first year in business, I was ch- paper chasing. I was destination chasing. I was just like, I want, th- I'm going to do this and I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to get this and I'm going to do this. And it was, I was dead. I know why so many businesses don't last. What's it's like one in three. I don't even know what it is. It's a ridiculously low number. Yeah, it's, 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 it's scares people from trying to be honest. Yeah. Most people don't last in business. And I think the reason why they don't last in business is they're shooting for a destination. This whole part of, of business entrepreneurship and life is all about the journey and who I become on the ride. And so I had been sitting with what to do and I'm going to shout out John Rulin who is just a wizard and has changed my life, changed my business. I owe, I mean, I attribute a lot of my success to that man. That's where I got the idea of gifting and writing gratitude notes and just like, that's just the practices that I have. So shout out to him. But cause he's the, he's the spark behind what I did for Hal. And so I was sitting with it and, you know, Hal is just releasing his new book and it was the first book in which it was pub, you know, published to get a book deal for it. All of his miracle morning books were self published. And, and so I knew it was a big deal for him. And he was talking about it at the mastermind that he had, I attended and, I'm like, what can I do for him that I would want done for me? And I was sitting with it in meditation and you know, all these crazy things came up, some of which like I just didn't have the means to produce or uh, probably I would have, right? I wanted to do some crazy stuff for him. All of a sudden, it was probably two weeks, three weeks of sitting with it. All of a sudden, I was like, dude, my neighbor's a sick woodworker, like a sick woodworker. Like he does like sports plaques and laser engraved this and I hit him up one day, like six in the morning. He didn't respond to like eight because I work at weird times. It's just when my brain works. And I sent him an image and it was Hal's book. I said, can you recreate this 3D in wood? And he hit me up at like 8 a.m. And he's like, yeah, come over. And he's like, how big? And I was like, you know, I want it to be massive. I want to cover half of one of his walls. And, you know, he redid, he, you know, created this amazing I don't even know what you call it, but it was just this replica of his book, which was wood and 3D and laser engraved of the miracle equation and painted and it looked like perfect. They faded the paint and you know it was under a thousand dollars. And, you know, I presented it to Hal and my life opened up and I went on his podcast and here's what I want to say to you. So maybe I spent a grand on this thing. And one thing that Hal said on on my podcast that revolutionized my life. He was talking about earning the right. And he was talking about how like in stages of entrepreneurship, you have to earn the right to do certain things. And like what I kept sitting with is I want to be this online thought leader and this, this certain person, but I haven't earned the right like financially. Right. So I'm constantly going through these struggles as I'm chasing clients and doing this and doing that. And at the time I was thinking about getting, trying to get sponsorship for my podcast, which is something I was super against in the beginning. I don't want anyone telling me what I could say or what, you know, what to do, or I just felt like it was selling out, yeah. which maybe it is. And maybe someday I'll take a, you know, a spot. Who knows? But I was like, man, I haven't earned the right. 
And then uh, on another coaching call with one of my coaches, he said, Mark, why don't you go all in on interventions? Like you're really good at them. You love working with families. You have the experience, you have the credentials, you have the stature and you have the platform. And so, you know, since I met you, I've launched, you know, Addiction Treatment 101. I launched a podcast. The podcast released today has currently, I looked like three hours ago, it had more downloads than the first month of Purpose Chasers. So good. On day one. Congratulations. Yeah. And I'm just like all in on something I'm passionate about out of one thousand dollar three weeks sitting in meditation under a thousand dollar gift i got that one nugget which revolutionized my life i well i want to say something about that i think that in that instance money was a way for you to find meaning in whatever came from it right like it made you pay attention it made you look for something it made you it made you more you applied a meaning to that investment and you made i would i would not say that your lesson in that revelation came from the act of doing it it was you applying the meaning to that and saying man i'm going to do something for this man that is so amazing and i'm just going to receive anything that comes and you were re- you were ready to receive that message and i think that's one of the most powerful things and and that's the power of ritual that's the power of applying meaning and intention to things doesn't matter what it is, right? It can be a, a morning routine where you apply all the intention in the world before you do it. And then you might realize something because it means so much to you. So it's almost like, and in that instance, money was just a way for you to transform what something meant to you. Because once it meant something else to you, then all the meaning opened up, right? Then all the abundance and everything that came from it. You mentioned something earlier about, you know, just being your best self. And I'm a big believer that all of us are on a journey for actualization. If you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's being alive, and then there's security, and then there's belonging, and then there's self-esteem, and then there's actualization, which is living up to your full potential. Why do you think most people don't believe that they were put on this earth to experience something great? Because they haven't taken enough, they haven't done enough esteemable deeds or taken enough and done an, enough acts to believe that they're capable of achieving what they want. Every single person. So I want to share this. I don't believe that anyone on this earth lacks motivation. Yeah. I believe that what we lack is the belief in ourselves to fulfill on the things that we want to create in life. And I think about the, I say, share this all the time on in second grade or third grade or first grade, the teacher goes around the room and asks you what you want to be when you grow up. We don't have any limiting beliefs in that moment. Yep. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be this. I want to be that. You know, like we don't have any limiting beliefs. And then as we navigate life and we start to see what other people are doing, we start to compare ourselves to other people. We have trauma that creates story. And then we're comparing ourselves. I'm comparing my business to Raj's business. And I think that's one of the downfalls of our society right now is comparison. It's the number one killer of hopes and dreams. And I currently follow three influencers and I'm not going to name drop them all on your show, but like I currently follow three people. I'm not in, I just recently joined the stay grounded community. Like I'm not in any other communities other than a couple masterminds that I'm in. I'm very, very selective of what I'm following and what I'm comparing myself to because that's what I'm going to become. And it's just like, 
I really try to limit the opportunity for limiting beliefs. Mm. And they're all over the place. I love that. Limit the opportunity for limiting beliefs. I've always thought of like your mindset or your belief system or your confidence as like there's like it's it's like a house. If you start to let weeds grow, they'll spread. You're not consistently cleaning the house. If you're not consistently making sure that there's no pesky neighbors around, if you're not consistently being on top of this place you're living in, it's going to get dirty. Dust will build. It doesn't matter what, how big your house is or how small it is. It's all the same process. And have your limiting beliefs transformed over time or do you see them all stemming from the same place? No, I mean, it's like they, they change all the time. All the time. Yeah. I mean, there was a community that I was a part of where I was like really obsessed with online funnels. And so I was chasing this thing. I had different limiting beliefs then that I do now. Now my limiting beliefs are like, well, everyone's going to shun you because you're being too authentic on your podcast and you're disclosing too many secrets. Right. But most all limit, this is a million dollar nugget. So if you haven't listened to anything else and you're like doing stuff in your house where you're listening to this, listen to this. Most people don't do things based off what they think other people are going to think about them. And I just want to shed that for you right here. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So most people don't take actions based off the fear that Raj is going to judge me or Raj isn't going to read my book or he's not going to like me or he's going to tell so-and-so about this or that or this. And, And Raj is probably comparing himself to me. Right. Like that's what we do in in our world is we stop. We don't take action because we think this person's going to think that or they're not going to buy my book or they're not going to. But what about the people that will? And that's the thing is like you take the actions against your mind and you find out like actually that's what you've been thinking all along is just not true. Oh, it's funny is uh, I was talking to a friend about this. I don't think that most people fear failure. I think most people are afraid of being seen failing. And especially in social media, it's very easy. Like if you don't get a like or if you don't get comments or, you know, and that creates a whole nother set of insecurities that didn't exist before the internet. But what's intriguing to me about what you just said is this idea that if they don't care about you, that doesn't mean they're not seeing it. And I had this conversation with a friend of, uh, actually one of my business partners. We We went down the rabbit hole on this. We were talking about, I think he was sharing a story about how you know, he was in he was in the military and he was sharing you know he was just being a vocal leader one of his people that was above him never gave him positivity never gave him the the confirmation he needed and so for 6 years or so he thought that this person wasn't seeing potential in him uh 6 years later they ended up running into each other at an airport and they're like hey let's grab a drink and they were just grabbing drinks at the bar and that man ended up opening up and saying you changed my life. Seeing you at that age show up with that much leadership gave me the confidence and the courage to go do something else I needed to do in my life. And he was bawling, but he had kept that in for six years. And so I think it's just an important reminder that the people who need to hear what you have to say are likely never going to tell you thank you, are likely never going to be the ones that comment. They're just sitting there watching you and listening. And they are going through their own journeys. And so even this idea of not failing in public, I mean, like, ultimately, you just don't know who you help. You have no idea what you 
doing to change your life is impacting in other people, especially your inner circle, like your family. I remember when I started Java Press, I mean, damn, dude, no one in my life was like an entrepreneur. No one was trying to do anything. 18 months after I launched my company, my dad finally started doing things he loved doing. He started going kayaking. My mom's a real estate agent now. I mean, it took a long time of me just being me for them to start being them. So anyways, I just wanted to add on that, man. I love that you brought that up because it's so important. It's so, so, so important for people to just believe in the work that they do. The worth of the work that you do depend on people that aren't telling you it's worth it to them. And uh, I just wanted to just give you that because I think if you can just adopt this philosophy, everybody listening, if you can adopt what, what Mark just said, I think you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of headache. So brother, I want to bring it back to you because I feel like I've been talking way more and I want to listen to you talk. It was solid. Bro. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. I mean, something that you said that I want, I just want to touch. I don't believe there's anything such as failure. I don't think, I think that in our society, we have these, these pillow words, right. To soften the blow, right? Like I'm not scared of failing because outside of quitting, I don't believe there's any such thing as failure. There's just lesson learned. Like there's lessons that you learn and you continue to try and grow. I'm terrified of quitting. It's not failure. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to launch the book. It's not that the book's going to fail. The book, the book is in the universe. It's a physical thing in the universe. The book's not going to fail. I'm going to quit. That book could be a New York Times bestseller. Am I willing to put the work behind it to push that thing to make it? Have you read The War of Art? No. You got to pick that book up, man. It's one of my favorite books. And Did I just steal a quote from it? No, no, no. Stephen Pressfield's one of my favorite authors. This book is one life changing for me in many ways. And in the book, he talks a lot about, you know, he paints fear as resistance. And, you know, he's talking about him writing a book and what's stopping him from launching this book out into the public. He has this idea that I, I, I love and I prescribe to it. And you actually just touched on it. It's this idea that, so ideas are a dime in the dozen, right? Like you can be running and have a million ideas. Like you could be born just creative. Like you have all these ideas, right? But ultimately, if you don't act on the thought in your mind, that thought in your mind will just transmit to someone else who's ready to. And it was, it's his way of thinking. He said that when you're, and his whole thing was when you feel the muse, when you feel creative, if you don't do something about it, it's gone. Someone else will put it out there. That's why there's so many instances of you having an idea and then all of a sudden you see it out there. You're like, oh man, I had that idea first. You probably did, but you weren't ready to do anything about it. And that created someone else. That idea just floated along. It was in the universe. This book, it was in the universe, came to you. It landed to you. It felt connected and you wrote it. And now it's out. And look at this. Like it's physical. It's in my hand right now, dude. Like, you know how you know how amazing that is, and I I just I I love I'm so glad you just reminded me of that, dude. I'm a big fan of you. Like, are I'm we a, having a bro moment? Right we're now? having a bro moment right now. I'm like a really big fan of you. I love the authenticity that you're showing up with. I love the way that you're. I, I just I just love how much heart you're putting into the work you're doing, and I can see it and I can feel it. And it's one of the biggest reasons I even wanted you here to have this conversation, just because I believe in people. And I believe in purpose and you exhibit purpose better than anyone I know. So 
just wanted to give that to you, my man, and uh, and let you know that I, I am a fan. And I can't wait for more people to read this book, whether you are in struggling with trauma or not. I just I think that you have a lot to share. I'm very grateful for you. Oh, thanks, dude. It means a lot to me. I'm I'm grateful for you as well and, and the influence that you've had in my life. I mean, I first met you at a conference here and you paid in a ridiculous amount of money to get a conversation with a man that was at the conference. And, and I was like, wow, dude, he's just like, I was inspired when you said it because I was in a completely different place in my life. And so the money that you spent was like, I was like, damn, people do that. You're like, yeah, I want to have this conversation. I believe in what I'm doing so much. And like, you and you just went off and talked my ear off. And I was like working the door at the, in the VIP room where you, you were laying on, on the couch with Alan, I believe, who so came with, right? Remember, man, that was a long time ago. That was, that was wow. Three, three I, years I, ago. Yeah. A lot of changes. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I just started entrepreneurship and my mentor, Nathaniel, was the one that got me the the volunteer spot at this conference. And yeah, I mean, I just really try to stay connected to individuals like you. And, you know, as with your story of, you know, when you shared on Purpose Chasers and, you know, there's really, it became, it's become very, very clear to me. I only have one main fear and that is lying on my deathbed and know that I didn't live this life all out. Yeah. Right. And I just, I got goosebumps when I said that. I just, I really encourage anyone that's listening, like write that book, start that podcast, like have that conversation, drive to your favorite spot, like whatever the thing is, like do it. And the, the thing that you may be expecting to receive may not be there, but if you're open, something so much better is going to be. Yeah. And like, that's the journey. I just think about it all the time, literally almost on a daily basis. If everyone on this earth, like in life lived out their dreams and just was chasing their dreams, how cool of a world would we live in? I mean, it would be, (laughs) and I want to say this, the world can take it. You know, the world is built for everyone to shine and the pie is big enough. The war, the world is abundant enough. There is enough for everybody to experience their truest dreams. And I think that is the biggest tragedy. People believe that there isn't enough or people believe that they'll never have it. And I think that's, again, why I just love your story, man. I mean, you came from a place that was the complete opposite of where you are. I mean, you changed your life, dude, and you have taken it in, you are in the driver's seat and you are driving it. You are fixing the car along the way. You are just doing the work and being who you want to be. And if that's not inspiring, then I don't know what is. So, Ben, this episode was so good. I am, I'm, I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this a couple of times to, Take back some of the nuggets. I thought you were. I thought he was going to say to edit out the part. No, 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 no. I'm not editing anything out of this. <laughs> See, not, I still have limiting beliefs for those of you. I'm not editing listen. anything out. And just so you know, I never. None of the episodes are ever edited, just because these conversations, the imperfection of these conversations. I mean, I started the podcast almost, I think, 18 months ago. Every single episode has been a learning experience. I never wanted to paint, and I don't think I ever will paint the picture that. I've had shit figured out because I don't, I'm learning along the way today, even putting together this, this entire video set was a bit of a learning experience. And so I think editing it would, uh, would diminish the value of just 
tumbling forward and failing forward and being okay with making mistakes and not being perfect. I think that's something you prescribe to as well. So anyhow, man, uh, thank you so much for being here. I got one last question for you. We'll make guys, by the way, we'll make the links to all of Mark's uh, social media, Mark's book. I mean, it'll all be there in the show notes. So just check it out. Uh, if you were frantically waiting for me to drop the link, just go to the show notes and that'll be a lot more efficient. But I got one last question for you, man. In the midst of everything you've experienced, everything you're doing and where you're going, how do you stay grounded? I would have, oh, I just got, I might tear up on this. Like I would have given you a, a different answer before my son was just born. I literally look at this little man and it's just like all my limiting beliefs have fallen from me. And like I'm being the father that I never thought I could be or I had the potential to be because I didn't witness it. He just makes my heart melt. It just makes me, I don't know why I was moved to just say that I'm a practitioner of the spiritual life. And I'm, I hope, I hope I never stop seeking prayer, meditation, humbling myself, admitting when I'm wrong and just continuing to chase people that I believe are further down the road than me. That's how I stay grounded by chasing people that are further down the road with me. I stay humble. Stay seeking, brother. <laughs> stay seeking. Well, guys, uh, like I said, I hope you guys took a lot out of this because I sure as hell did. Mark, thanks so much for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, man. You got it, man. Uh, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Mark. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.